Roofing.net. Caitlin Clark says she just had the wind knocked out of her when a court-storming fan collided with her on Sunday. Hawkeyes back in action on Saturday hosting Nebraska. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are headed to the AFC Championship game for the sixth year in a row. DraftKings line has the Chiefs a three-point underdog in Baltimore. The 49ers reportedly consider Debo Samuel as 50-50 to play against the Lions in the NFC title game to do shoulder injury. I'm Doug Thompson. For the win from the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, where every Monday get one of Jethro's world famous meal deals. Score! This is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Two, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Bottom of the hour, Alec Bussey covers Iowa State, CycloneAlert.com under the 24-7 sports umbrella. He will join us, talk about Iowa State getting past TCU. Trent's Plays of the Day Circus Sports sponsor still to come. Nick Athen will take a look at the other of the two regional teams we had in action this weekend. One of them marches on to championship weekend. The other one, boy, it sure felt like a long for the longest time that they were going to pull the upset back to back weeks, but in the end, the Niners prevail and the Packers uh, pack it away for the season. Dave Sinekin, ZoneCoverage.com. Uh, Dave, look, I, I'm guessing that if we would have told you back in August, you know, laid it all out, you're going to qualify to the playoffs, you're going to uh, upset Dallas in the first round, and you're going to play the Niners, give them all they wanted. Yeah, okay, I'll sign for that right now, but it doesn't feel like that once it gets to that point. It kind of feels like you want more, right? It seems a lot of fun. You guys should still be playing. I'm, I'm convinced of that. I'm not sure the Niners were the best team on Saturday. Yeah, for sure it feels that way. Yes, I would have signed up for that heading into the season. Absolutely. Um, yeah, when you start playing the game and you're really outplaying the team and things are starting to go your way, they're losing Debo Samuel and, you know, you're, you're in the lead late in the final five minutes, you start to get greedy and you start to dare to dream that, yeah, maybe we'll see a all NFC North NFC title game that nobody ever would have expected. But uh, yeah, it, it felt empty for about twelve hours. Uh, watching football was a bit of a struggle yesterday. Um, happy for Detroit and happy that that team's still playing. But boy, oh boy, a lot of missed opportunities and uh, things you'd like to take back. But yeah, very happy with what this team accomplished, and certainly very very much primed for uh, what this future might have in store for this team. The final throw of the day, that'll mm-hmm. be one that'll be talked about a whole lot, what Love was trying to do there, forcing one across his body back to the other side of the field. It was just it was a bad throw, but there's so many building blocks this year for Jordan Love. Most people, you know, that'll be part of the memory, what he did over the back half of this season. The excitement level's got to be through the roof of what he built on this year with all those young receivers, a young offensive line, Aaron Jones kind of reclamation late in the season. A lot of excitement offensively. Yeah, for sure, Trent. I mean, that's what this season was about. Like, what do you have in Jordan Love? We've sat since the draft pick in 2020. You know, what did they just do to this organization uh, besides alienate their, uh, mm-hmm. their arrogant quarterback? And, and so, yeah, there was so much anticipation. What could he possibly be? And, and do we actually believe we might have found another guy that is going to have that seat for the next five to ten years? And obviously, emphatically, we know that, that this is the guy that's going to lead this team. And, and that was the ultimate, you know, what you want to get out of this season. Do you have the right guy? Because if you don't, you're in quarterback purgatory like 20 or 25 other teams, and you never know when you're going to find the guys. So uh, I think Brian Gutekunst was definitely uh, is a guy that got the last laugh, that he 
found a guy that he thought would uh, fit and would learn and study and have the work ethic and, and all that it takes to become a potential franchise quarterback. And what we saw over the last eight or nine weeks, specifically in Dallas on that stage in his first playoff game, and then even Saturday night, yeah, we'll all remember the two interceptions, two really bad throws. Mm-hmm. But there were a number of throws. I, I still go back to that one, if you guys remember, where he rolled to his left and hit uh, Romeo Dobbs with a toe-tap sideline. Incredible. Yeah, it just shows you that that's not typical. I just got off the phone with Paul Allen on the fan, and we went toe-to-toe for a a bit because he's he's of the opinion that what he's seen from Jordan Love, he's a system quarterback. He's a product of of Pat LaFleur's system. And, and, I mean, he called Tom Brady a system quarterback, so maybe (laughs) we have the wrong (laughs) definition there. But um, I was pretty emphatic in in encouraging him to, to watch the tape and, and look at some of the tight windows that he found. And, yeah, it's been, as a Packer fan, just uh, such an enjoyable season, just something that we can't say after a lot of these heart-wrenching playoff losses. I mean, Green Bay's the only team since 2000 that's lost five playoff games where they've led in the final five minutes. Mm. And that's that's gut-wrenching. And that doesn't even take into account the the Brett Favre Giants championship game where Packers had one loss and lost the game on the interception in overtime. There's been a lot of heartbreak, but I don't feel any of that after watching this team because you look at Love and the young uh, skill position players around him that you know that group's going to be together now for three, four, five years minimum. If they can figure out defense and get special teams uh, in order, then uh, you got to feel like uh, this is a contender in the NFC for quite a while. Yep, no doubt about it. We'll cut PA a little bit of slack just for the dad movie did on Friday night going to visit his daughter yeah. on his <laughs> 121st. That was pretty cool. Uh, was. You know what? Uh, you know what? Um, maybe my biggest takeaway from the Packers was. I was I was of the opinion that the Niners' defensive line is going to have their way, and Jordan Love's going to be running around like uh, like crazy, and and here comes Bosa and Chase Young and Dot. I thought the Packers' offensive line held them in check for the most part, Dave. Yeah, for sure. I mean, both those games, they did. Love was not sacked in either playoff game, and when you're dealing with a left tackle, Rasheed Walker, who was a seventh round pick a year ago, and they weren't sure even during the season they were rotating him and Yash Nyman for a while until he kind of held down that spot. He really became a revelation there at left tackle. And then Saturday night, you know, Zach Tom, who's been Green Bay's best offensive lineman at right tackle, he went out midway through the game to be evaluated for a concussion, never came back. And now Nyman's in there suddenly playing right tackle, dealing with Bosa and company. And while he wasn't great and it would have been better to have Tom in there, I think Love would have had an easier time. It didn't collapse. It didn't fall apart. And so, again, as you evaluate this franchise and the mistakes they make, the good calls they make, the one thing they've been consistent about over all the years I've followed this team, from Ron Wolf to Ted Thompson to now Goody, is they understand what it means to draft offensive linemen and not necessarily guys on the first or second day of the draft. If you look at Green Bay's line, the majority of those guys were, were taken, you know, third round or later, you know, outside of Jenkins and, and Myers, who were second round picks. And always just draft bodies, and they just have enough guys. And so they never find themselves like so many teams just with a terrible offensive line that derails their season. So, yes, I was really impressed uh, under those conditions against that rested defense, mm-hmm. healthy defense, that that line uh, held up and gave Green Bay a chance to win. Joe Barry, defensive coordinator, in any trouble or anticipate he'll be back for next year? Uh, if I were the head coach, he'd be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah. I'd have boxes for him to start filling. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but no, I, I mean, I don't, I, I'm sorry to say everything coming out of Matt LaFleur's mouth leads me to believe he's going to bring it back. He, he likes the way the team responded late in the season defensively. You know, I guess to give Barry a little credit, you know, he didn't ask to get Rasul Douglas traded. You know, he didn't ask Gutekunst to uh, ignore the safety position until the seventh round and then deal this team a bunch of inexperienced players in the back end of the defense. But I just, I see the scheme. I see the talent. I just don't see a match. And really, at the end of that game Saturday night where you've had Purdy in trouble, you dropped a couple of easy picks, and he has not been really good. You know, he was back in his vanilla prevent defense, let him dink and dunk. He's scared of the big play. And if he had dialed up the pressure, and I understand they were tired. Preston uh, Smith, in particular, had to play a lot of snaps because they lost a, a pass rusher the previous week to an HDL. I know they were tired, but, man, I would have blitzed Purdy and to try to get him to make one more mistake because you give that offense and Christian McCaffrey a chance and a little bit of a loophole like that missed extra field uh, goal gave them, you're asking for trouble. So, once again, I feel like Barry kind of let the unit and the team down at the end there, and I'm ready to move out, but I'd be surprised if the Packers do. Dave Sinek and Dave, as uh, you may recall, every Super Bowl Friday we get all our football voices back and we get uh, them to go on the record. So uh, we will talk to you. Hopefully your schedule allows Super Bowl Friday. If not, we'll talk to you leading up to the draft. But thank you for what you've done for us uh, throughout the season, throughout the years, quite frankly. Dave Sinek and ZoneCoverage.com on the Packers. Thank you, Dave. My pleasure. Always enjoy it, guys. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you then. All right. Good to talk to you. Dave Sinekin on the Green Bay Packers as one of the two regional teams goes down. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. One of them survives, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs back to the AFC Championship six straight years with number 15. And away we go. It's Baltimore. It's Kansas City. And oh boy, Nicklin, that's this has got a chance, does it not? Let's um, uh, let's give the props where props uh, are deserved, and that's to the Chiefs and that defense in particular. I thought in the second half, after Josh Allen was and the Buffalo Bills were uh, you know up and down the field in the first half, they tightened it up. What did they do differently, Nick? After Gay went out, um, what did the Chiefs do differently to really curtail the running game of Josh Allen in particular? Well, I thought it was interesting in, in the fourth quarter. Um, Spags put eight in the box, and he just dared them to run the ball. He dared them to pass, and they took a couple of chances. But um, I don't know why it took Spags so long to figure that out. But it was just like, you know, you look at him, and they're you know they're having all these rushing yards. I mean, they had a 182 rushing yards, and you look at it. I mean, Allen had a 6.0 average, but Cook only had 3.4. But they're still running the ball up and down the field. So it was really the statistics were really bizarre in this football game. But for me, when Spags decided to load the box, but Jude Tranquil in, he made some plays. He did. Yeah, they seem, yep. they, you know, he has just been their energizer, Buzzy. They're going to, he's going to be the most important guy on the field, uh, you know, Sunday against Baltimore, um, you know, if, if they're missing their, their star linebacker, you know, and Willie Gay. That, that, that's their, that's their, that's the guy that, you know, covers the quarterback in the backfield. So, um, listen, Spags deserves a lot of credit. I wish he wouldn't have had to wait so long, but, you know the way the offense was humming. I think he just figured, hey, you know, let them, let them, let's be strong between the the twenties. And at the end there, they made some terrific plays. Um, the Bills missed a few plays they should have had. Um, well, digs, yeah. I never, I, I never thought the Chiefs were going to lose this game. 
It just was, you know, what was the final? Have you ever thought the Chiefs are going to lose a game, Nick? <laughs> no, this this is not. This is this is a, this is a statement that is accurate. Yes, I have. Okay, I have plenty of times thought they were going to lose. All right, um, doesn't you know? And I can't pull for them every week, and I have to be realistic. But I think what I saw in the Dolphins game gave me a lot of confidence as to what they're they'd be able to do in Buffalo. And again, the Chiefs are playing with house money. They had no pressure on them, um, and it was all on the Bills, just like it's going to be this week with the Ravens. All the pressure is going to be on them to beat the big bad Chiefs. They're playing in this sixth straight AFC title game, two away from matching uh, what Tom Brady did uh, a decade ago. Well, doubt might not have crept into your mind, but it did on the Hardman fumble. Uh, you got Pacheco just bust off a long one. You're on the three-yard line. Just give it to him three times. You're going to get in. Yes. Ten-point lead. And I, I just had that thought. Is this the way it's going to come to an end? Getting a little too tricky on the three-yard line. Alas, that's not the way that went down. What was going through your mind, though? And hey, it's part of it. This is what Kansas City does. This is what the staff builds and Nagy and obviously Andy Reid. But, boy, that play call left me scratching my head even before the fumble. Yeah, they gave him one chance. He fumbled the first time he did in the first half, and they gave him another. And yeah. um, I, I'm assuming at this point that plays out of the book. <laughs> I hope so. Um, you know. I don't no, think no, no, no. Run it again. <laughs> yeah. Go run it to Rasheed Rice. Now, Rasheed Rice was injured. He, he played he played his guts out in that game. He, he had a leg confusion of some kind, and he was really struggling, but he went out there and made some plays. But, you know, I know why he did it. He wants to get Hardman in the flow. He wants to give the impression when the, the you know, the Ravens are looking at film or the, the 49ers or the Lions are looking at film. And, okay, we got to count for this. So I, I get why he did it. I don't think he's going to do it again. And uh, hopefully Kadarius Tony's back on the field. Now I would run that play with him because he's tougher. Uh, he's more physical. Um, and I think that, that play probably would have scored a touchdown with Tony. Uh, you mentioned Pacheco. Both of you guys did. Um, and we've been mm-hmm. talking about him for months now. I'm not sure there's a dude who runs more violently yes. in the NFL yeah. than Isaiah Pacheco. And this is not a big dude, Nick, as you well know. Uh, uh, boy, they've got something there in him, don't they? Yeah, they really do. And, and, you know, he didn't play the last game against the Bills. And, you know, we're probably looking at a different outcome. Uh, but, you know, this is the way he plays and the way he, he finds gaps and holes. Now, he's, he's better at it now in shifting and moving and being patient. Whereas you last year, I mean, he just ran. You know, and if you can't tackle me, great. If you can't, I'm just going to keep motoring my legs. But at least this year, he showed a little shiftiness. He's shown the ability to go inside and outside. He's more of a complete back catching the ball now. He can block, um, but he's not a big dude. You know, the Chiefs are going to wear him out. You know, they may get five years out of Pacheco, uh, maybe six tops, uh, but they're going to use every ounce of him. And he's just got, he's got that Mahomes motor, man. He just, he believes he can get yards on every carry. He's tough. He challenges everybody around him. Um, he's a challenge for any defense. When he's running between the, the tackles and he's taking two or three defenders, that wears down on your defense. As the Chiefs found out yesterday, you know, in trying to stop um, Allen and Cook. So he is special. I love the fact that they're, they're running the ball more. They're using him more. Um, they put Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards Alaire in, you know, a couple of times. He made a couple of big plays. All these things add up to, okay, now we know what this offense is. And Pacheco, when he plays well, he has over 100 yards to combine that receiving and running. The Chiefs generally win, but they're going to have to ride him on Sunday if they expect to win against the Ravens. You have been a Chiefs fan for a long time. You're old. Yes. We're all getting old. <laughs> when you saw Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> the excitement, everything, 
not only are they playing in their sixth consecutive AFC championship game, you have the biggest music star in the world up in the box. You got a, a goofy brother slugging beers down up there. With his shirt off. They, the Kansas City Chiefs are the most well-known organization right now in football, nationwide, worldwide, in your wildest dreams. Could you have ever imagined both football and then kind of pop culture-wise anything close to this? Not even imagine this in my most positive moment of my life as a fan for the last five plus decades. I just, I, it's crazy. You know, I grew up in the, the Cowboys were America's team. Yeah. You had the cheerleaders, mm-hmm. you had the star, mm-hmm. you had great teams and great players and a great organization, and they just played football the right way. And then Patrick Mahomes comes along, changes things. You know, Travis Kelsey decides to put his hat in the ring and see if he can get a date with. You know Taylor Swift, and now you're right. This is the most popular team. You know, it's not Manchester United yet, but <laughs> worldwide, you know, I would put it in a, a top, probably top five of all sports franchises in any sport, just because you know you've got you've got you've got people who love this team, you got people that hate this team, you got Swifties that are in the in the tens of millions. That are that are learning about football. The NFL's you know got a brand new market yep. to, uh, to 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 sell their product to, and I'm just I'm fascinated by it all. I just think me it's, too. It's it's a it's a terrific combination of what it is to be a sports fan, what it's like to follow someone in the entertainment business, and the fact that it's happening in our backyard. Hey, listen, I'm all for Kelsey and Swift. Hope they make babies. I hope they stay in Kansas City. And just ride the train as long as possible. But uh, Trent, never, never did I think they would be at this pinnacle. Uh, Chiefsblitz.com for Nick. In fact, he's got his podcast coming up at the bottom of the hour. Nick, we're not going to ask you yep. about the game on uh, the, the AFC Championship because we're going to hopefully uh, find five minutes of your time on Friday to do that. Okay, as we get you close to it. the game, we'll know if Nadi's going to play. We'll know where Willie Gay's at, Kadarius Tony, dot, 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 and the walking wounded for the Chiefs. Chiefsblitz.com for Nick. Uh, coverage of this AFC Championship all week long. Chiefsblitz.com for Nick. Gath and Nick, we'll talk to you on Friday. Thanks, brother. All right, guys. Appreciate you very much. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Nick Athen, as we talk Chiefs, Dave Syndicate on the Packers on 106.3 KXNOs. We take a look back at the two regional teams. One of them goes on. One of them goes home. We're down to three games. Uh, What a game it was. It was great. It was a phenomenal game. It was a really fun game. Lions? Bucks was more entertaining than I anticipated. I, they were. I agree with you. The first half of the Baltimore-Houston mm-hmm. game was good. Yep. Uh, even though the Niners struggled, I thought the Packers. I thought the Packers were the best team yeah, on the field. I, yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, and it's funny. The two quarterbacks, right? We're singing love's praises all game long. We're killing Purdy. Uh-huh. And then the last drive for both teams, the script flipped. Right? Finally, quarterback script yeah. flipped. Purdy gets good. Mm-hmm. Love makes the boneheaded pass. Uh, sports, sports, baby. Love Who it. needs Love. reality TV? You don't. This no. is all you need. I know what CBS needs. They need the Chiefs to move on. They really do. I did get a kick out of the fans on Twitter after the the late pass interference call. That wasn't a pass interference call because the ball had been thrown yet. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the flag that came seemingly out of nowhere after the play was long over. Ah, oh, here we uh, go. Goodell hit the buzzer. Yep. <laughs> Goodell hit the look at private moment. 
CBS, of course, wants the Chiefs in the Super yes. Bowl. With, without a doubt, wants the Chiefs. Las Vegas probably wants the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Although the, the operators do not want the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. <laughs> That's a different one. That's a different story, right? Uh, good stuff. We will take our time out. Before we do that, though, it's time for another... Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. 1,000. You can get your podcast. Last summer, my house was hit with hail. Between assessing damage on the roof and dealing with insurance, it can be a stressful situation. Luckily for me, it wasn't stressful because I called my friends with Wolf Roofing. We were able to get a new roof on our family home in one day. It looked sharp, everything was cleaned up, and now we have peace of mind with our new roof. Set up your next roofing project with Wolf Roofing at 515-225-225. 8866. Or you can go online at Wolf Roof. KXNO. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs. They're bringing you an offer that's going to make help the playoffs even better. New customers, you can bet five bucks, just five bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Now here are the current numbers at DraftKings for both of the championship games. The AFC, uh, Baltimore remains a three point favorite. A lot of three and a halfs out there, uh, but if you're looking for three as your key number, you can find it at DraftKings. DraftKings, the total 44 and a half. Meanwhile, in the nightcap, uh, the NFC Championship, the Niners remain a six and a half point favorite. The total there is 51. Uh, plus, everybody can get a no sweat same game parlay for every playoff game day. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KXNO. New customers bet just five bucks, you'll get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KXNO. The crown is yours. Must be 21 or older. Iowa only. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Opt-in required. One no-sweat token issued per eligible day after opt-in. No-sweat bonus bet issued based on amount of losing qualifying bet. Eligibility, max reward limit limits, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Gambling problem? Call... Believe it or not, baseball and fast pitch season is right around the corner. Now you can become a youth umpire with Iowa U-Triple-S-A Sports Officials and Central Iowa Sports. Be around the game that you love and the greatest part-time opportunity ever where you can make great money. They offer on-field training and no experience required to apply. For more information to get back into the game, Go to IAUSO.com. That's IAUSO.com and get back. 131.24. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trends plays of the day still to come right now. Let's talk some Iowa State, shall we? Cyclones, hang on. A road victory, take them any way, whether it's by 19 as they had them down or by one as they escaped with the victory. Well done for the Clones winning on the road. It's not, it's not easy to do. Ask Kansas. They fell to West Virginia 
um, and Central Florida in the last couple of weeks on the road. Uh, let's get Alec in here, and he joins us. Alec Trent Ken, thank you for coming on. No Taman Lipsy, but boy, they had some guys step up, did they not? Uh, Keyshawn Gilbert, Curtis Jones, both of them uh, with their, I think, their best games as members of uh, of uh, TJ's squad. Would you go there, Alec? Yeah, I certainly probably would. Um, when you kind of think about the way both of them played, I thought Curtis Jones came out and played masterfully in the first half and um, had a really big impact on Iowa State jumping out to an early early lead and then kind of expanding it throughout the first part of the second half. And you kind of look at his box score, finishes with 17 points, shoots 50% from the field. But defensively, he had seven steals, and that greatly contributed to all the success Iowa State had in terms of getting points off of TCU turnovers, which I think they finished with close to 40, 35 or 40 points off TCU turnovers. And he obviously forced a lot of those. And then I think Keyshawn Gilbert was really big in the second half. He shot the ball a little bit better than he had lately, finishes with about 20. Um, again, you know, finishes with close to 50% from the field and makes a couple threes, um, which is something we haven't seen him do a whole lot of um, the last couple of weeks. Um, and then he also has four assists. He does turn it over three times. But, you know, I think – at the end of the BYU game, he kind of started to emerge. I think he finished with 16 at BYU. He kind of felt like, okay, maybe that's an opportunity for him to gain some confidence and see his shot kind of go in a little bit more. And I think that's exactly what happened is he finishes with 20 points and was by far Gilbert's best Big 12 game of the season. Yeah, really played at a high level in this team as a whole. You see that from time to time, you know, guys out and everybody kind of steps up and it felt like everybody found their role in the game. What do we know going forward now with Lipsy? The likelihood we'll see him against K-State and and when he comes off that injury, whenever it is. Is this something that's going to linger for a while? Yeah, the, the Cyclone staff didn't seem to think it was something that was overly serious last week um, when speaking publicly about it. He obviously had a couple of doctor appointments last week after returning from BYU. Um, it's a shoulder sprain, I believe is what it is. and I don't, I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to pretend to diagnose an injury or understand fully what the severity of the injury is, but it's certainly something that I feel like they expect him to return from at some point this season. Will that be against K-State on Wednesday night? We'll have to see. Um, I feel like you probably feel a little bit more confident about him playing against KU if he doesn't play against K-State, just considering the fact that that would be over a week from the injury and uh, you know, the more time you have off to rest, rehab, get treatment, all those things. I think it obviously tends to lead you being able to get back on the court a little bit faster. Yeah, CBS has the television of that one, 12.30 tip-off against KU uh, on Saturday. I thought foul trouble, uh, Robert Jones and uh, Hassan Ward, both uh, both guys in foul trouble throughout the game. I thought that that kind of, their flow wasn't there. Um, I, at least that's how I saw it. it certainly hit hurt them you know, on the offensive end of the floor, not maybe wanting to get involved, pick up that cheap one on the offensive offensive end. Did you see it that way that both of Iowa State Bigs foul trouble really um, you know, prevented them maybe from having their best games? I thought Ward struggled more against TCU than he has in any other game since he returned from his foot injury. Um, he only goes one of five from the field, I think it was, but he did have four assists, which I thought was pretty inspiring. He had a couple to um, guys putting baseline. I know one of those went to Trey. I think another one went to Omaha. Um, and then he had an alley flop pass as well that went for a dunk, I think, to Demarion Watson, if I remember correctly. Um, so even though the work wasn't necessarily as impactful scoring the ball as we've 
seen him be. I thought he was still pretty impactful in terms of facilitating, and he's proving to be a pretty solid passer um, with four, four assists. He only had three rebounds. You'd like to see more of him from that department. Um, Trey King, I think I would agree a little bit more. Um, when he was on the court, though, he's productive. I mean, you see him um, go three or six from the field. He has four or five rebounds, I think it was. Had a couple steals, uh, which obviously I, I don't remember how easy or hard those were to come by. I feel like a lot of the turnovers that TCU had just kind of fell right in Iowa State's lap, not to take any credit away from them. Um, but anytime you have 18 steals as a team against a Big 12 team, um, you know, some of those maybe were errors on the other team's part. So I think I think the foul trouble maybe affected King a little bit more than it did Ward, at least on the offensive side, just because the time was able to contribute to a lot of buckets for teammates. Omaha Blue, got to see him out there, not in the end of a blowout or anything like that, and he plays five minutes in the game. A sign of things to come with Blue or a one-off because of that foul trouble you mentioned? Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, you know, he got some minutes against, Oklahoma State at the end of that game. Um, he obviously finishes with a couple points, like you said, against TCU. I'm intrigued to see if he continues to kind of grow into a bigger role now that it's the end of January getting ready to go to February. This is kind of the time of the year where a lot of freshmen kind of start to emerge. I feel like the ones that aren't immediate impact players right away from the jump, you know, unless you're a Rob Dillingham or a Reed Shepard or a Caleb Foster or Jared McCain, you know, guys like that who have been really impactful players for Kentucky and Duke since the opening night of the season. I feel like now is kind of when you see a lot of freshmen really settle in and start to make their impact if they're going to as, as first-year players. So we'll have to kind of see that. I think this week presents an interesting opportunity for him against two teams that um, are coming into Hill Coliseum. And, you know, K-State certainly needs to continue to improve their resume. KU has struggled on the road. Yeah, they both were obviously losing to UCF and in West Virginia. Yeah. Well, help me out with K-State. Uh, I mean, Tang's a terrific coach. We we know that. They haven't played the most daunting. Uh, and you, although you say that, on, and you just mentioned that West Virginia and Central Florida, they both picked off Kansas. Uh, K-State's beaten both of those squads, one of them on the road. What What is K-State doing well that perhaps would give Iowa State some trouble uh, when they meet on Wednesday night? Yeah, they started to guard really well, um, especially dating back to like late December when they beat Wichita State. I think that was around December 20th they beat Wichita State. Um, their defensive metrics have started to really rise. They're up to 23 on the season in defensive efficiency on Ken Palm. Uh, they do a really good job of not bowing, which I think is obviously important. Um, the one area that they do really struggle defensively is on the glass. Uh, you know, teams are getting over 30, 31% of their offensive misses back against K-State. So I would say certainly try to crash the glass on Wednesday night against K-State. But that's the one area of this team that's really strong. And I think K-State's really going to struggle to score against Iowa State on Wednesday night. Their offense has really struggled this year. They turn the ball over a lot um, on over 21% of their possessions. So that gives Iowa State a lot of opportunity to get baskets at the other end and transition. Um, And then over 11% of K-State's possessions and with their opponent getting the steal. So you combine both those things, that kind of feeds right into Iowa State's strengths defensively where they're trying to force turnovers and they get in transition and get buckets at the other end. A lot going on in the portal. We uh, get the news of a wide receiver from Army coming in. So fill us in, kind of the latest on the football front as they continue to build the roster for next season. Yeah, it would have been late last week, I think Thursday, um, 
they secure a commitment from Army transfer wide receiver Isaiah Alston. He transfers to Iowa State after, I think, four years with Army. He struggled with some injuries in his career at Army, but he's actually been pretty productive. I think it's important for people to remember that they run a triple option offense. They're not throwing the ball a ton. He had close to 50 receptions, I think um, about 1,000 career receiving yards. His best season was back in 2021 uh, when he had 22 catches for about 450 yards and three scores. So he's obviously a good addition to a receiver room that I think has a lot of potential heading into next season when you look at guys like Jaden Higgins and Jalen Noble returning for Iowa State. Mm -hmm. I think that Alton gives them kind of a third piece to really rely on at the receiver position. And then when you factor in um, Ben Bramer returning at tight end, I think Brock Beck's got plenty of targets to throw to next season. And assuming that he's protected as well in the passing game as he was this year where Iowa State was in the top three or five, I think in terms of least stacks allowed in the Big 12, they're going to do a good job throwing the ball around next season, I would imagine, assuming Beck doesn't fall off the face of the planet, um, which I have no reason to believe he's going to because he was really good as, as a redshirt freshman. Uh, Alec Bussey, uh, you're, uh, with Miller and Condon on 106.3 kicks. You know, Alec, we finally, uh, not next Monday, I think it's Tuesday, the Big 12 footballs. We know who they're playing. We just don't know where it fits on the schedule. We find that out next Tuesday. Is that what we're led to believe? Yeah, it'll be on the 30th. I think Max Olsen reported um, or yesterday, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was too. Um, so we'll find out the official opponents and the dates next week, but we already know the opponents. We yep. just don't know any of the dates. Uh, what do you got coming up this week at 24-7 CycloneAlert.com? You're going to have lots of basketball coverage. Um, we've got some updates today already posted on where Iowa State's tournament resume is at. Anyone can read that. That's a free story. We also have an update on where 2025 commit, actually signee, Nurgis and Jusitis, ranked for the Cyclones after 24-7 updated their rankings. Um, and then we're going to continue that basketball coverage throughout the week and then this weekend, Iowa State's going to be getting hosting um, players in the 2025 recruiting class for junior days. We're going to get some updates on those kids early next week as well. So, great time to check out the website if you haven't already. Good stuff, Alec Bussey, 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com. We will speak with you next Monday, Alec. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to it. Have a good week. Yep, you do the same. Alec Bussey as we check in on uh, Iowa State. Good win, TCU. Um, without... Lipsy, mm-hmm. does he play Wednesday? I don't think he does. I think you don't you err on the side of caution, knowing that Kansas looms. It would be nice if we had more information exactly what that shoulder injury is. You know, ha! It, yeah. Ha! <laughs> I know. Tell telling funnies over here. <laughs> really, uh, it's twelve forty-five. We will come back. Trent's got plays of the day. Basketball. What's uh, what's the slate look tonight? I looked early. Not the not the greatest. Pretty light. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Do you like swack basketball? No. Then this is not the night for you. There no. is a couple of Big Twelve games though. Cincy at Kansas being one of them. Or in an ACC game with Carolina. Have you seen Carolina play? I have. I saw They're them early improving. in the year, and they weren't they weren't the number four team in the country when I watched them. I uh, faded them on Saturday, so I watched the end of the game against Boston College. They're mm-hmm. they're getting there. Last year was so weird. They were preseason number one I and know. didn't make the tournament. They were terrible, terrible, terrible. What kind of years Bacon having? Bacon. He's, Bacon. Yeah. He's, He's big out. He's just a How long has he been there? This has got to be it for him, right? I mean, I, think I know him why and he's still Rashid there. Wallace got mailed together. <laughs> and Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah, it feels like he's been around for a long time. Yeah. He's not alone. No. Did you see the story of uh, the kid getting a ninth year of eligibility? The, the tight end? Yeah. Where's it? Florida or Miami? I think. 
Ninth year. Unbelievable. Uh, that's Trends Plays of the Day. Circus Sports sponsor those. They're coming up next. Miller and Condon, 106.3. Last summer, my house was hit with hail. Between assessing damage on the roof and dealing with insurance, it can be a stressful situation. Luckily for me, it wasn't stressful because I called my friends with Wolf Roofing. We were able to get a new roof on our family home in one day. It looked sharp, everything was cleaned up, and now we have peace of mind with our new roof. Set up your next roofing project with Wolf Roofing at 515-225-8866. Or you can go online at Wolf Best way to hire. Get in on the action with the world's largest sports book. Right at your fingertips. Circa Sports Iowa is where the pros play. Enjoy the highest limits, lowest takeouts, and competitive betting menus. Download, fund, and bet from anywhere in Iowa. Circa Sports Iowa. Sports betting the way it should be. Download your new bookie today. Visit CircaSports.com. Must be over 21 and present in Iowa to bet. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-8. Back to Miller and Condon on KXNO and Trent's Pick of the Day. Presented by Circus Sports Iowa. Hi, Miller and Condon, 106.3 KXNO. I have a prop for you. Oh! Uh, if you're looking for more um, opportunities to spend your money. Yeah. How many more times this week will Chubba Purdy transfer? He transferred again! He did? He was with San Jose State yeah. for like a week. Uh-huh. He's now with Nevada. Hmm. Transferred again. How many schools has that dude been to? Like six? Yeah. Louisville, Florida State, oh my Nebraska, God. Nebraska, San, San Jose, Jose for a week. Now he goes to Nevada. Uh, over on one and a half more before the season starts anyways. All kidding aside. Um, but that's true. He is headed to the University of Nevada after being San Jose State for a week. What are you betting tonight? It's not the shiniest of slates. It's not the uh, There's not the most opportunities for you to dig in. Where are you going? I am playing Wake Forest tonight against Carolina. How many points do you get? Getting seven and a half. Okay. Let's see if the Lone Tree Iowa native Steve Forbes can get me a minimum of cover tonight against Carolina. And then I played this one. A three-team money line parlay in the NBA. In the NBA? Timberwolves. Who do they have? Charlotte. Okay, well, that should, yeah, should go well. Philly plays host to the Spurs. Well, okay. And Milwaukee goes to Detroit. Sound like three layups. Trent. Now it's minus two sixty three. Even with three teams together, even with geez, that, those are overwhelming. So instead of one unit, we'll put two units on that one to get us a little bit closer to getting a full unit back. T Wolves, Sixers, Bucks parlay, and Wake Forest in college. Good stuff. Shelby Mass Bracketwag.com makes his first appearance of the year with Trent and I tomorrow. Murph and Andy are next. The drive with Heather and Sean three to six. Thanks for being with us. Uh, in the 11.01 time slot on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.